Hi, and welcome to the fourth episode of our podcast, Queer and Divine, Conversations with Spirit and Pride. I'm your host, Lily. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I'm your host, Anna Didesheim, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Today we are joined by Kellum Thompson. Kellum is a student at Kent State University in Ohio. He is studying nursing and ceramics. When not in school, he's back home in North Carolina, where he lives with his mom and his two sisters and two dogs. Welcome, Kellum. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. We are so excited to have you and just listen to you share your story. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. So jumping right in, um, Kellum, do you want to talk a little bit about growing up in a Jewish home, um, what that looked like for you and your family? Sure. So when I was first born and for the first six, seven years, my family was much more conservative my mom was raised conservative, so we were uh, we were kosher. We went to synagogue, like very, very on time. I totally lost my train of thought there. Um, and then, when I was around seven, we stopped being as religious, and we switched to a humanistic Jewish temple which was much less focused on the relationship with God, but much more the relationship between like us and the world. How can we as a Jewish community make the world a better place for both ourselves and everyone else? Um, which I liked a lot more, and that's where I was had my B'nai Mitzvah with my twin sister, and that's the identity that I'm much more comfortable with is that humanistic Judaism. Um, and it was, a lot of, it was a lot of fun growing up. We celebrated the major holidays, and uh, even though my dad was not Jewish, he is now Buddhist. He was always very respectful, and he learned a lot of like the Jewish traditions. So he joined in when he could. Yeah, and um, you know, for people listening who don't have a super strong background in uh, Jewish religion and culture, can you explain kind of the difference between humanistic and more conservative Orthodox? Yeah, so more conservative, it's. Um, the biggest differences I would say are like how temple is set up. So in more conservative ones, a lot of times the men and women are separated. The services are a lot longer. They can go for a couple hours and it's very traditional to how you would expect a Jewish service to go. So a lot of the prayers and the singing in Hebrew, whereas humanistic, there's much it's a much more casual religion, I guess, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. When we would go to services, they wouldn't be very long. They'd be about an hour. It's a lot of singing and dancing in English, and it's a lot less strict. You know, we're all mixed together, boys and girls and non-binary. Um, I would say those are, like, the biggest differences. It's a much more relaxed, like, your relationship with God is much more however you want to see it. Our synagogue's focus was how is we the Jewish community are going to make things better hmm. I love that I mean that's that's a little bit what we talked about kind of in our first episode um I was saying like you know changing what Judaism means to me and I feel like you know you have to find a place where you connect to your if you if you're choosing Judaism like you know finding a place where you really truly connect and I feel like that sounds like you got to that place yeah I really liked it now we're actually not 
we no longer, my family no longer belongs to that temple. We belong to a more reform one okay. back home. But that one is also very relaxed reform. It's sort of in between humanistic and conservative. The prayers are more in Hebrew, but it's my synagogue. You can come and go through services as you please. There's no requirement to sit there the whole time if you can't. Uh, the men and women are mixed up. And it's very, mine's very LGBT friendly, actually. Um, so I, I like that temple too. I think I still identify mostly as humanistic Judaism, but uh, that temple is still really great. And um, I always go to services with my mom when I'm home and we have a good time. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. And thank you for taking the moment to kind of explain the difference between the two. I know that um, just kind of growing up in a Christian background, I have known the differences between multiple denominations and often I'll say like, oh, well, you know, they're close to blank. And someone's like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, but kind of, you know, changing topics a little, you mentioned that uh, your community was really accepting the current place you go to of LGBTQIA plus folks. The coming out is a huge part of our community and we all know that. And I think it's a little bit different and a little bit different when you add in religion and you add in the factor of, you know, we came out and our sexuality changed, you came out and you came into your correct gender. So, you know, what was that like? Did you start to question your gender at a younger age? How did that factor in with your religious stance? Any of those kind of topics? So when I was very, very little, up until about fifth grade, I was very comfortable as being female. And at that age, just because gender differences aren't as strong, I was, you know, wearing dresses and pink and everything. And when middle school start to hit, I started, before I came out as trans, I realized that I was, you know, having crushes on some of the girls in my class. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> Not because my parents were homophobic or anything. They're very accepting. But I just didn't have the words, you know, I didn't know what lesbian and transgender was. So... I just was like, I'm going to tuck those feelings away. And then in seventh grade, I left, I went to a very, very small charter school. Like for reference, there's 500 kids and it's a K through 12 school. Very small. And then I went to public school. And in public school, I befriended someone who ran the LGBTQ club. And the day I went to just to see what it was about, they were going over terms and it was the first time someone had said you know gender fluid and transgender and pansexual and I was like oh that's a thing um so it was probably around seventh eighth grade I started questioning my gender um and I came out as gender fluid first I wasn't sure and then the summer between eighth grade and high school I was at actually my Jewish summer camp that I went to for many years and I was I met some other kids who were queer and I was talking with them and I was like I think I'm male, like I feel more comfortable male, and they really helped me sort of get into that and be comfortable. So by the time I came back from camp, I was able to sit down with my parents. I was like, so I'm transgender. Uh, yeah, and my parents were very accepting. They didn't understand all the terms. They were very confused, but they accepted it. So did my sister. My older sister has autism and it took her a very long time. But now she's calls me her brother and uses he him, but it took her a lot longer. With but you know, everyone in my immediate family is very accepting. That's great. 
Um, and you, you shared a story, and I don't, you know, if you want to just touch on this a little bit, but when we were talking earlier about insisting on dressing up as, like, a boy uh, when you're younger, when, you know, maybe there wasn't that language and everything, did you want to share that? Yeah, I think it's a really funny story. So when I was, like, really little, and the memories I have this most is in third and fourth grade, there would be about a week where I would insist I was a boy. Only for this one week, I would go by Kellum before my name was legally changed. I would wear this. I had this one shirt, and I'd wear that one shirt the whole week, and it would be <laughs> disgusting by Friday. And I would sneak into the boys' bathroom, but I would only do this for this one week. And I don't remember if my parents knew I was doing this. I assume that they did and just kind of let it happen because my parents were very chill, um, and they knew I wasn't doing any real harm. Yeah. Um, and then after this week, I would just go back to normal. Um, and so looking back, I'm like, wow, that really should have. <laughs> wow. But yeah. No, I mean, I just thought that was interesting because I feel like we n- definitely know things about ourselves at a younger age without having the language. And then once we gain that language, it's like, oh, now everything has come together. Yeah. Looking back on like things that I used to say and do as a kid, I'm like, Wow. <laughs> I, I guess I did know from a younger age. I just didn't. I just didn't have the words. Yeah, and education is so important in that because, you know, so many kids I know now today. I know like seven, eight-year-olds who identify as non-binary and use they/them pronouns. And I think back to when we were like six, seven, eight. That like did not exist. The terminology was not being discussed. If it was, it was because your parents were a part of the community or you were in like California, New York, and you happened to be in that kind of spaces. Yeah, I actually, in high school, I worked for a queer youth group and my job was with the younger kids. And it was just so amazing to see, you know, I had, you know, a seven year old kid who was, you know, they were questioning their gender and they're like, I think I'm transgender, but I don't know. And it was, so lovely to see kids being able to just have those conversations so open about you know gender and you know sexuality even you know at a young age where we're not talking about sex itself but we would talk about like crushes and stuff and it was just so wonderful because I know at that age I was not able to do that (laughs) yeah oh absolutely not I mean it's funny because I don't know about your experiences with this, but Bible Belt kind of growing up, we both did. You in a more liberal location, but still Bible Belt. Yeah. Where, you know, parents are like, we don't want to teach our children about, like, homosexuality. But they'll tell, like, a two-year-old, like, is that your boyfriend? Is that your girlfriend? So, you know, it's what they want to allow and what is wanting to be talked about because it's very clear what information should be talked about and what should be, like, you know, kept in the closet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, I don't know, kind of transitioning a little bit into a different topic, but, um, you know, now that we've talked about Judaism and then uh, gender and all of that, kind of bringing it together, talk about the intersection. Um, I was really interested about this. Uh, so when you were 13, I think, you're 14, I think you said? I was about to turn 14. It was it was just a month shy of my 14th birthday. Yes, yeah, so you said that you had your um, B'nai Mitzvah with your sister. Um, but can you talk a little bit about what, you know, getting 
bar bat b'nai mitzvah means and what that experience was like um you know coming into it as this idea of like your womanhood and then coming out and your thoughts and feelings about that a little bit yeah so uh generally a bar or bat mitzvah or b'nai mitzvah it's um the Jewish recognition of adulthood. So it's generally around the age of 13 um, where children will, in most places, you'll go up to the Torah, you'll read from the Torah, uh, and that's sort of your signal. However, mine was very different because of, of our humanistic temple. So what my B'nai Mitzvah involved was we picked a Jewish hero, we wrote about that Jewish hero, about their life and their accomplishments, and then we wrote about why we chose that Jewish hero. So I picked uh, Jonas Salk. For those who don't know, he was a doctor who created the polio vaccine. And he also helped create some of the first flu vaccines. Um, so that was another thing that should have hinted to my parents. But uh, yeah, so mine was, I was in a dress and I was in female and I was using my previous name and even at the time I was questioning my gender, I did try and convince my parents to let me wear a suit, but that was not happening as my extended family was all going to be there and they're much more homophobic. Um, and looking back, I probably, I don't it's kind of weird for me looking back because a part of me is like, oh, maybe I will have a bar mitzvah because I never read from the Torah and I, it would be interesting to learn a small Torah portion. Yeah. But another part of me doesn't want to do all that, you know, in the sense of like, well, it's my identity and I decide, yeah. you know, I don't need a big ceremony to decide that I'm a Jewish man. I decide that for myself. Yeah, um, of course. And I guess that's kind of the interesting thing about it. Yeah, I I thought that was just a very interesting topic. And I, you know, I talked to you about this maybe the idea of having colleges, um, whether that's Hillel or Chabad or, or whatever, at a college, giving the option for people who maybe are deciding that they want to be Jewish, be able to have a sort of bar bat mitzvah or b'nai mitzvah, um, and, or people who are non-binary and trans and are like, you know, I did this whole ceremony explaining, you know, my manhood, my womanhood, but I don't connect with that but I do connect with my Jewish identity and I would like a little bit of a redo for what I know to be true now that I'm older and know myself. And, you know, we talked about that maybe could be an option one day. Yeah. I think that'd be a really good way to just get people to connect and stuff. Even, you know, like meet other Jewish people, Jewish LGBT plus people and give, you know, a lot of and like a new fresh start and stuff because a lot of people talk about how college is this fresh start and I think being able to do that would definitely go along with that and it would be a I think it'd be a lot of fun to be honest yeah so one more thing I wanted to kind of talk about with you you know your twin sister is my roommate and that's how I met you but you know she talks about camp and you know how incredible it was in her growth as a person, religious person, human in general, but I've not heard your experiences within that same kind of environment. So camp for me, uh, it was a very good experience. Um, I did have two 
uh, incidents in camp. One of them while Anna was there, the other uh, while she was not there. Um, and the first, and both related to being transgender, but the first one was, it was the summer between freshman and sophomore year. And the camp, we go on these five-day trips out of camp, and we were in San Francisco, and we were on one of these big buses, and me and my friends had taken the back few rows. And there were these group of Israeli boys who also wanted the seats, but we had got them first. Um, these boys are from Israel because the camp has a program where they bring kids from Israel to experience America. It's a really cool program. I've met amazing people through it. Um, but these boys were not as amazing, and they overheard my friend say something about me being a man, and they looked at me, and they just immediately started laughing. And when another friend tried to call them out, they just started blasting us with slurs. Just everyone you can think of. Hmm. And it was not great. I just started very quietly crying. Thank God my friend got up and got our counselor, who was probably the greatest woman I've ever met. She is amazing. And so she got the counselor, and the counselor got our director of camp, who knew me and knew I was trans. And the boys got in very serious trouble. And afterwards, you know, they were like, hey, are you okay, Callum? Want you to know that that wasn't cool what they did and we're going to take care of it. And they let my parents know what happened and explain the situation. And uh, it was resolved very well. I'm very thankful to the camp. Uh, that was not the nicest experience. Um, but I think I was very happy with the camp's response. Um, but other than that, I really had very positive experiences at camp, even while out. I was, you know, the camp was like, we can't put you in a male bunk, but... And I was like, I don't want to be. Have you met the guys at this camp? Uh, <laughs> they're gross, but uh, they were, you know, they called me Kellum, and they were pretty respectful of my pronouns. They tried their best. You know, they were always very nice. And uh, so I, I had good experiences at the camp. Yeah, and I actually, this popped up while you were talking in terms of, like, male bunk, female bunk, and then you know, them calling you by your name that is so significant. Where does your name originate from? So the name Callum, it's a Scottish last name. We're Scottish on my dad's side. Um, we're actually very in touch. Like I'm very in touch with my Scottish heritage. I used to have a kilt and everything. Hmm. Um, but when I was really little, I would always be like, oh, what would you name me if I was a boy? And they said, well, we were having trouble, so it would have been either Spencer or Kellum, and I liked Kellum a lot more than Spencer. So that's it fits you where well. the name came from. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I love the story of your name, and I love the story of camp and, you know, those crucial things that, like, you know, camp when you're younger. It doesn't sound like much to some people, but... I feel like there is definitely that period of growth and when we were talking about growth and all um you mentioned the process of coming out to your sister and coming out to your grandmother can you touch a little bit on those things as well yeah those are two very different experiences <laughs> so coming out to my family especially my twin and older sister 
they took it very well. My twin sister, like, pretty much immediately got it and pretty quickly started making jokes about it, too. And that's how you know, like, jokes that I was her brother and stuff like that. And with my older sister, it did take a little longer for her to sort of understand what transgender meant. But once it clicked, it clicked very hard. And now, you know, they both use he, him pronouns and they call me their brother and it's great. My grandmother is a whole nother story. She is the kind of person who's like, I'm okay with the gays as long as they're not in my family. Like, yeah. (laughs) Which means that you're not okay. (laughs) One of those, like, being trans is a mental illness kind of thing, blaming it on everything. So how how we actually came out to her was an accident. My mom was filling out a form, and she wrote on it that I was her son, Kellum, and my grandmother saw the form and was like, you're what? And then we had to explain everything. And even now she's like, does not get it. She blames, she's like, it's because I was raised in a toxic environment with my dad and that my mom is a failure. And I'm like, okay, no, on so many levels. That's awful. (laughs) Yeah, she constantly blames my mom for it. And I'm like, no. That's not how anything works. That's not how that works. She's mellowed out a little bit now. When I first came out, it was really bad. She once tried to convince my parents to let uh, me move in with her, just me, and send me to a very, very conservative Jewish boarding school, which was her version of conversion therapy, pretty much. Yep. Wow. But obviously my parents said no. Good on them. (laughs) Now she's kind of mellowed out. She's not as intense, but, like, she still says these things, like, Hmm. still blames my mom for a lot of stuff. They just found out recently that I started hormones. Mm. Like, I've been on hormones for a year and a half, and they found out probably a month or two ago, and they don't like ye. No, no, they're like, if if you're pretending to be a man, but if you're trying to be one physically, no, no. But she, like, my grandmother loves to send us printed articles. And the the weirdest one I got was something called Rapid Onset Gender Dysphoria. And it was, like, disproving trans people. And I was reading it, and I was like, wow. <laughs> there is no science in this. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I loved hearing all the stories that you were talking about and willing to share. And, you know... The fact that you didn't sugarcoat anything, I think, is important, and that, you know, not all trans people, queer people, etc., have these wonderful coming-out stories or lives. There's people who disagree often in older generations, and the fact that, in your grandmother's case, it sounds like it was mostly tied to religion, but you yourself didn't let that cloud your religious views, and I think that's so important. Yeah, I mean, regardless of the experiences that I've had, majority of my experiences with my religion have been very positive, and I'm, I love telling people I'm a Jewish guy. I make jokes constantly that I'm a nice Jewish boy. I'll never <laughs> stop making those jokes. It's always so fun. Yeah. If you were to give advice to queer people, you know, either make that trans folk or queer folk as in the community in terms of gender and sexuality, you know, and figuring everything out, what would you say? 
I would, the biggest thing I would say is don't try and rush into a label. Take the time to try 70 different labels. We all go through that phase early on where we're like, I have eight different things to identify (laughs) myself as, and that's super normal and valid. Like, don't rush, just let it happen. Because, you know, as you learn more and you try things out, you'll figure out what feels comfortable, you know, what things, you'll know it when you feel it. Like someone will say it and you'll just feel it in your heart. Like the first time someone said he, him pronouns for me and I felt it in my heart. That's how you know you found what you're looking for. And there's no rush for it. This is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much, Kellum, for taking the time to come on our podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I had a great time. This was a a lot of fun. Excited to see more of this podcast. Aw, thank you. Thank you. Listen in next time for episode five with guest Rabbi Sandra Lawson, associate chaplain for Jewish life here at Elon. Thank you, as always, for taking the time and space to listen in with us. Y'all can find us on Instagram at Elon Spirit and Pride. Until next time, I'm Lily. And I'm Anna. And this is Queer and Divine Conversations with Spirit and Pride.